stay in Exodus 20 with me uh, for a few minutes, and then we'll flip over later to Exodus 32. But keep your Bibles open to Exodus 20. We've we've started a new sermon series, Leaving the Wilderness, as we're watching watching the people of God throughout the book of Exodus. Last week, we looked at why did they go to the wilderness, and we confessed to each other, we all have seasons. We all have a seasons of spiritual dryness. We've all had those times in our lives when we found ourselves in the wilderness. Sometimes we can say, this is exactly why it happened. I know why. Sometimes we don't know why those things happen. But in, in, in our Exodus reading from chapter 13, we saw why they went to the wilderness. What we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is look at what did they do? What do you do in that season? Some of it's really good, and some of it, as we see today, is really bad. And then as we close this series, we're going to look at what did they do to get out? What do you do to get out of a wilderness series? So we're in Exodus 20, and, and as we look at this, and, and we're going to see, really in all these chapters, between 20 and all the way to 32, a repeating theme. You're going to find it here, but also throughout the wilderness experience. Anytime you see repetition in the scriptures, you want to stop and really take note. What is God saying to us? What is it he doesn't want us to miss? And especially for them, what do we do in the midst of a dry and difficult and anxious season? And the answers we find here, partly, it's the spiritual disciplines. It's the disciplines of our faith. In a few months, we had to cancel our prayer conference. I wish I could talk about prayer and, and how many times we see that in Exodus. That's a critical discipline that we don't want to miss. The importance, as you're going to see in Deuteronomy and here as God's giving uh, the, the word or the law to Moses, how important it is for Bible reading and scripture memorization. As Corey said a few weeks ago, even in, G in Jesus' wilderness experience, it's the word of God that, that really funded and undergirded his, his confrontation with the devil. Also that spiritual discipline of, of fasting for Jesus in the wilderness. It was key for him. But this morning, I just want to set, settle on a word and on a spiritual discipline that you see God commanding repeatedly, but also you see in the people's lives, and that's worship. It's critical to life of people, especially in the wilderness setting. Uh, only one other book in the entire scriptures uh, say more about worship or even use the word worship more than the book of Exodus. And, and it's the book of Psalms, so that's cheating. These are songs that are written for worship, and there's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. So really, in this shortened book, much shorter, you get more about worship here, really, than in, in a real sense anywhere else. It's worship, worship, worship. It's Passover, it's singing, it's bringing sacrifices, it's prayer. We see worship everywhere. We have to be about that discipline. Now you say, I'm, I'm watching online today. I'm with you, I'm worshiping. Why are you preaching to me about it? We all, we all can be tempted and struggle in our life of worship. These people of God, as we're going to see here in chapter 20, they struggled, and we're going to study their context in just a second. Let me ask you this question before we dive into that. What do you do? What do you do when you're uncomfortable? 
What do you do when you are in a tight spot? Where do you turn when you have that anxiousness or you have lack in your life? As we watch their response, part of their response could be they turn to comfort to get them through. Oz Guinness, Christian author, says that that probably is the greatest idol of our modern age is comfort. And the way that you watch them eat and drink and play, they are turning to the gods of comfort to get them through. As we said in a Bible study a few weeks ago online, the, the wilderness is a barren place. It's a dangerous place. It's even a dangerous place spiritually if you watch the miracle of Jesus exercising the demons and putting them in the pigs. It's a scary place. Everybody who's pretty much in the wilderness wants to get out. But also, and you see this even in the life of our Savior, the wilderness can also be a place of temptation. When you're in lack, when you're in need, when you're hungry, when you feel alone, when you feel threatened, the wilderness can be a place of temptation. And so we're seeing the people of God here turn to comfort. Anybody overeating during these weeks? Being out of your rhythm of life? Uh, being stuck? And maybe you're just constantly going to the refrigerator? Anybody tempted to look at things you shouldn't look at? Anybody tempted to, to maybe self-medicate? Anybody tempted when you're feeling uncomfortable to use people or use things to get us through? What we find them doing here is eating and drinking and playing in the wilderness. They wanted out, and so seems like they turned to the God of comfort. And not only the comfort, maybe, maybe if it's not that, maybe it's another idol of our age, and that's security. That in their lack or in their worry, they turn to something that they thought was a sure thing. We are in an, a time where we are unsettled. We've got horrible, horrible weather conditions over and over again in our state. We're, with people dying over these tornadoes and it's unsettling and makes us anxious. And then you've got the, the, the issue of COVID-19. And we're worried about our seniors, we're worried about anybody with, with health issues over that. And then as Corey was praying about and thinking about this morning, this issue of economic crisis and what's going to be on the other side when we come out of this. We're unsettled and it's easy for us to become anxious. And so they in that season and in their wilderness and in their worry turn to a calf. Calf that in that image, if we had time to go through it this morning, you would understand that thing. Most people in our day and time says that thing will provide for me security, worshiping the God of security. We were in Exodus 13 last week, and you see right after Exodus 13 that God frees his people, takes them through the Red Sea, and they rightly, after that experience, worship. Chapter 15, they worship, they sing, Moses, Miriam. You have wonderful worship, but by the end of chapter 15, now they've got an issue with water. And then the next chapter, they've got an issue with food. 
Then the next chapter, they got an issue with water, and then they've also got a political enemy, and they've got a battle that's going to happen. It's need, 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 need. And so we turn to a God of safety and a God of security, and, and it's either this calf or Moses. Why don't you at least let us go back? We'll make bricks, and we'll be under the slavery of Pharaoh, but it's so easy to worship security. And so we, we find here, and I know it sounds simple and it even sounds confusing, if you don't worship, you'll worship. If you don't worship God, you will worship someone or something. That's how we're designed. That's how we're made. We're wired to worship. And you see the people of God here. If they're not going to worship God on that mountain, they're going to find something or someone else to worship. Staying with Exodus 20 then, looking down in verse 18, there's smoke, there's lightning, there's thunder, there's, there's even somehow a sound of a trumpet. Go down to verse 24, there's this thick cloud. And what we get reported to us in verse 19 is God's on the mountain and the people of God are terrified about that. What do you do when you're nervous? What do you do when you are scared? And so that's chapter 20. And so now you've got Moses away from 21 through 31 getting instruction from God about how life is to be lived with him and for him. And that takes some time. And so the people are getting a little itchy. The people are getting a little bit anxious. They're getting worried. And rather than worship God, they worship a calf. Now, God's repeating again to the people as he's with Moses, reminding him again, you can't have any gods. That's not where it starts, this idol worship. If you're with us Wednesday, and I hope you'll go back and listen to John Oswald's uh, teaching. He reminds us in the story of Jacob with Rachel, idolatry and gods have been a part of the people of God, sadly, from the very beginning. Here it's a golden calf, and we see this, and we say, how could this happen to them, how could they go that far and how could they go there that fast? But if we don't worship, we will worship. Now to address that, there's a couple of reminders here. So turn over to chapter 32. We're going to walk through some of these verses and we're going to go beyond verses 1 through 4. But there's some reminders here about sin and what sin will do and how sin will destroy us. First reminder is this. Temptation does not stop even if you are in love with God and you walk with God as, as his people were. They even saw God, right? In, in, a, in, a, in a pillar, a, a fire. They saw him in a cloud by day. And yet Aaron says in verse 22 in chapter 32, they were still prone to evil. There can never be any self-righteousness in the people of God. There can never be any pride in the people of God. I know Jesus. I have his spirit leading my life. Don't be so arrogant as to think that temptation stops. You see it here in the people of God. And you see it. Moses calls it out later in verse 25. He says wild. His words are out of control. What happens so quickly when people get anxious People, Moses has been gone for a season and they get worried how quickly they get out of control. I encourage you to do some Bible study. I know we have young teens and children watching, so I won't say all that they did. But it would be an interesting Bible study to read what some commentators said, how far this went with people who were with 
God. Temptation does not stop, but also when we sin, we see in Aaron this reminder to us that we have to come clean about our sin. He can't do that here. Moses comes to Aaron about the golden calf and look down at verse 24. Aaron's report to Moses was, now you know what you heard in verses 1 through 4, but Aaron's report to Moses was, well, they gave me some gold, I threw it in the fire, and out came this golden calf. It just kind of came out to us. He can't own it. He won't confess it. While my two college children are home with us during this time of of sheltering at home, uh, we've pulled out some old family movies, but we've also pulled out some movies that they watched when they were kids, and so I got to watch Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules. And in that movie, there's this reminder that even when you're caught, when you're caught red-handed with something, what is the teenager's motto when you're caught? Deny, deny, deny. That's what we can do. That's what we can do. Here's a video I want you to see about how easy it can be uh, to not come clean about sin and how, how it is that we deny, deny, deny. That, that video is a cute reminder that, that that can be our default position with God. We, we deny what we have done. A sin can make us liars. Sin can make us deceive our own hearts and our own lives. Come clean. Do you need to come clean with God today? Aaron, Aaron didn't do that. Thirdly, we see here too, sin turns us inward and it also Verse 25, sin crushes our weakness. In verse 25, we're reminded, and there's a couple different translations on this. NIV says that sin, that sin that they committed to their enemies, now they're supposed to be a light unto the Gentiles. Their sin made them a laughingstock to their enemies. Uh, The message, I like how that modern day translation or paraphrase says, they had disgraced themselves before their enemies. One commentary this week said, it's not just sin against God, but their actions put religion itself into disrepute. Our sin, my sin, can stop my witness. My sin can crush my witness. How important it is when we're tempted, not just to say no, to be right with God, but to not shut avenues to witness with others who so desperately need it. And fourthly, this last reminder, sin does turn us inward. And you see that back in Exodus 13. If you remember, uh, right after that, they do the right thing in 14 and 15. They worship God after the Red Sea, but then again, here comes the water need and they grumble. 
Here comes the food need, and they grumble. Verse, chapter 16, uh, 17, they, they have another water need, and they don't just grumble, but they quarrel. And then comes uh, the issue with the attack. Grumbling is found more in the book of Exodus than in any other book of the Bible. You're in a wilderness situation, you're uncomfortable, you're nervous, you're scared, and it's easy to turn inward and, and to, to have a heart where we don't, as we prayed this morning, a heart of thanksgiving, but a heart that turns inward and we grumble. And in, in chapter 32, that grumbling gets played out. Moses is gone, make us some gods, salve our wound, make us feel comfortable, make us feel secure. If we don't worship God, we will worship. And as we close, that's, that's really a reminder of this season. Y'all, church has never, you know this, church has never been canceled. Jesus did not die for brick and mortar. Jesus did not die for a liturgy of songs and, and creeds. Jesus died for you and he died for me. We are the church the body of Christ. But we see it here as well as the New Testament church. You see it here that we need church. We need the gathered community. We need a place that is set apart for worship. And I'm concerned that as we get through this season, some of us will say, you know what, this online thing's been enough. I feel like I'm doing okay. But what you see throughout Exodus for those in the wilderness, what you see in the New Testament church is the importance of the church, the gathered body in a gathered place. Sarah and I were, I told you last week, we were talking about the potential for this series. And I was thinking about Psalm 78, as it recounts so much of the Exodus uh, story. But she brought up Psalm 73. And again, it shows how we can grumble and turn inward. There are just 16 verses of just whining. The psalmist is just letting God have it as he sees the rich and his life is a life of struggle. And he's saying it's unfair. Even The word even comes out, it's oppressive. This is oppressing me to think how, how, how much they have and I don't have it. 16 verses of unloading on God, on God until you get to verse 17. Grumble, grumble, grumble. But then I, but then I stepped into your sanctuary. When I met with you in your house, with your people, things changed in my heart. We, we worship 24-7. We don't have, our worship is more than just gathering together. But that's been part of the heartache. As Ben and Linda and I and so many of you, as we've checked on the older members of our church, when, we, when I talk to them, I don't, I don't hear as much anxiety about COVID-19. What I hear is you. I want to be back with my Sunday school class. I want, to, I want to be at church with my church family. I was talking with my dad about three or four weeks ago. We had only been in this uh, time of quarantine for about three weeks, and their church actually didn't meet online until Easter. But he told me three weeks in, he said, you know, this coming Sunday, this will be the longest I've ever been not being in a church. Now, my dad's in his mid-70s. Something proud about that as his son to hear that. But something heartbreaking about that. This yearning, this hurt to worship, 
but also to gather with the body and to gather in the sanctuary to worship. We must be about worship and, and all of the spiritual disciplines to stay close to God in this season. You know, I, I rarely talk about things that I do well as a pastor. I've, I've, I'm very careful with that. I usually tell you, here's, here's how I stumbled and bumbled, and here's what we can learn from it or what I learned from it. But I would say to you, this year really ought to have been a, a season of dryness for me in some ways. So listen, I am so pleased and excited about what's happening in the life of our church. Just the new staff we've added are blessing and enriching our church. The staff that we have, you have no idea how blessed we are to have the staff that we have. To see us growing in missions, to see us growing in discipleship, to hear reports, even from our annual conference about last year, no other church gained more members, but more, more importantly and most importantly, nobody has many professions of faith as our church. There's so much to celebrate. But this could have been a year of, of dryness as I've been in that season of, of finishing my uh, uh, dissertation. So this whole year when there's been free time on weekends, I've been at the church writing or spent my re time researching a 176-page dissertation. Anybody can't sleep at night, I'll email you a copy. But that, that's been a hard discipline. And then you add on top of that just some of the heartbreak. Some of our wonderful church members, because of jobs or family, have, have moved out of town or moved out of state. We have lost some of the most precious people in our church this year to death. It's been a heartbreaking year. And then you had General Conference in 2019, and then we were supposed to have General Conference in 2020 and spent so much time on that. I even have been elected to a state board and a national board and have meetings after meetings after meetings. And I've just found out a week ago they've now postponed General Conference to August of 2021, it looks like. So three years of all of that stuff. So in a lot of ways, personally, there should be some dryness or a wilderness. And this has nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with me, so I want to be careful of that. But I'm reading through Exodus, and I'm wondering, I think the spiritual disciplines have guarded my life. I worship weekly. I'm in a small group. I'm in a Sunday school. I'm in an accountability group. I go to Christian conferences and events. Uh, I find ways to serve. I read the Bible daily. I'm going through our three-year Bible reading plan. There is something about the disciplines uh, that keeps us close to God and helps us, encourages us in a time of wilderness, whether it's spiritual dryness or a time of being uncomfortable or worried or anxious. Part of the remedy for that we see here throughout Exodus is stay close to God, through the disciplines, through our worship, through our prayers, through our reading, through our fasting, through our, and just follow the disciplines. Because the reality is this, God wants to stay close to you. All of these scriptures, even though God is saying in chapters 21 through 31, God wants to be approached rightly in worship. God wants to be approached. He wants to come near. Let's pray about that. Father, our prayer as we look at your people in this situation, we pray, Father, that there would be no self-righteousness in us, 
that we would understand our bent, as the hymn writer says, towards sinning, and that you would keep us close, and, and that, Father, you would not allow for any pride in us, that we'd be very well of how we can be prone, as the hymn writer says again, prone to wander. Father, we also pray that we would be real with you, that we would come clean, and we would really confess what's in our hearts. Maybe it's a, a prayer of lament, like in Psalm 73, or maybe it's here where Aaron did not complain, and we need to be real with you about our sin and bring that to you. Help us to do that today. Father, we, we pray that you would keep our lives clean, that in this time where we can become irritable or frustrated, that our lives would not be a disgrace to your kingdom, that our lives would not create our witness to be a laughingstock. Father, we also pray that you would not let us turn inward. Guard our mouths, guard our hearts, that we would not grumble against you. But Father, we would trust you. We thank you that you've called us and designed us to worship, that you want us to be near you. Help us to be faithful to the disciplines that we might enjoy you, walk with you in this season. And it is in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.